Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about dealing with birth fears. Birth is filled with uncertainty, and with that come the fears and what-ifs. What if something goes wrong? What if the pain is too much? What if my wishes aren't respected? What if I need a cesarean? What if I poop? All are valid, but not very helpful feelings. So how can you deal with them? Alexia Leachman has answers. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Fit2Be and their online catalog of alignment-based fitness routines to help prevent damage to the core while rebuilding your whole body's strength and tone because no one should pee when they sneeze. Learn more at birthful.com fitness. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be and Mighty Dads and Dads-to-be. As always, thank you so much, so, so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. I appreciate your comments, requests, and of course, your reviews, since those help get the show in front of even more parents. So if you enjoy what you hear, then please consider subscribing and leaving a review in iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it, because it really does help. So my guest today is a fellow podcaster and therapeutic coach, Alexia Leachman. Alexia, welcome. So happy to have you here. I'm so pleased to be here, Adriana. So pleased. Yeah. And thank you. Yes. Yeah, so let's start with having you tell us a little bit about you. Like, how did you get into this work of helping moms deal with their birth fears? Well, I, I was a I was somebody who had tocophobia, which is the extreme fear of birth and pregnancy. And I didn't realize I had it until I became pregnant by accident. And then it hit me like a truck. And I had to kind of deal with the emotional roller coaster of getting my head around it. And then I quickly after finding out that I was pregnant, I ended up losing the baby, which the thing that really hit me was when I had a miscarriage and some tiny part of me was relieved. I knew then that I had some real stuff to sort because that wasn't a healthy maternal reaction. So over the next year or so, I kind of did a lot of my own inner work. And so fast forward a year and then I was pregnant again. Uh, having, I felt a lot better about being pregnant, but I was still really fearful. And so I wanted a C-section. I wanted, I really, really couldn't think about birth. Every time I looked at a birth canal diagram in my birth pregnancy books, I would have a panic attack and start like crying. Uh, so I knew I had some weird stuff going on and I didn't know that this was tocophobia in, in play at that time, but I was training in a new therapy. So I thought, well, you know, I, I'll use this therapy to clear my fears because I read somebody told me about hypnobirthing and the link between fear and pain. And that was my biggest fear. So I used my second trimester basically just to clear my fears. And I was able to completely turn it around and ended up having uh, an incredible home birth. And so that kind of started me on the journey. But I thought it was a fluke back then. And it's only when I was pregnant second time around that I realized that my stuff works. I had new fears. I was an older mum. And the one thing I noticed being an older mum was the lack of decent information out there to help you navigate navigate your choices when you're pregnant, the decisions that you have to make. It was really hard for me to understand really what the risks are with being an older mom. Did I really need to be induced? You know, finding that information was really hard. And I struggled. I had to read research papers. I had to read, you know, difficult sources of information to digest. And so that's what really started me on the journey. Because when I was breastfeeding my newborn at five weeks, I had emails from women who'd heard about my fearful to fearless 
transformation. Women I didn't know who wanted to know how I did it. And I was like, well, this is strange. Isn't this kind of, I, I thought I was just this weirdo that was had these kind of fears. I didn't realize it was, it was such a widespread thing. And so when I started getting a lot of emails from women, at some point I decided, you know what, I think it's going to be quicker rather than reply to these emails to write a book. So that's what I ended up doing as I was feeding my newborn. And um, and then I had this book and I was like, well, I got a minute. What am I going to do this book? I'm not even, I'm a business coach. What am I writing pregnancy books for? So that's when I launched the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. And it was just going to be a little maternity project. You know, I was going to go back to being a business coach. And it kind of went a bit crazy. And I started getting loads of emails from women around the world saying that this was helping them. And I after a while, I was like, I've got to take this seriously. So that's kind of what started me on this journey. It was a bit of a, re- I was a reluctant participant, but now I'm loving it, absolutely loving it. And now here I am talking to you about birth and pregnancy. I absolutely love it. So and, thank you for having me here. Oh, so happy to have you. And and it is funny how lots of birth, like that's a common theme for lots of birth workers, that it was their own experiences and journeys that kind of funneled them and brought them into becoming, you know, doing the birth work that they do related to it. Um, so it's, it's um, as you're talking, I'm listening, going like, yep, yep, because <laughs> it, that's how people tend to come into this, you know, most, most people, not everybody, but um, get into the birth work. Yeah, no, I know. And I love it and absolutely love doing this. But there's, if you told me like three years ago, I'd be doing this, I would have laughed in your face. But now I, I'm loving it. And I, 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 I believe it with passion. I actually want more than anything is I want more women to have positive birth experiences and, and to sort of not have to face the barrage of birth negativity that they get with the media and everything they come across and all the horror stories, because it it really does contribute to the level of fear that women experience. I couldn't believe that at 36, which is when I was pregnant for the first time, that I had all these beliefs around birth that actually now I know are complete rubbish that are just fabricated by the media and and these horror stories and actually once I'd learned about birth a lot of that stuff you know wasn't I found it wasn't true or at least it was just a possibility it wasn't sort of a a guaranteed outcome and so for me it's really about edgy helping women to understand birth empowering them with the right kind of information so they can make the decisions that are right for them not with any hidden agenda and so that they can come out most importantly feeling amazing about their birth because you know, that's the most important thing. You're going to remember this event until you die. And I don't, the thought of having a birth that is awful that you're reminded of every year that your kid has a birthday just seems like a death sentence to me. And I want to help as many women avoid that as possible. So that's kind of what fires up the work that I do. Yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic getting those messages from moms saying, um, you know, because I get them too, of like, your podcast was really helpful, or thank you for every part of what you do, you know, that you are making so it keeps you going, it keeps you doing this thing that we do. Absolutely, absolutely. I know I even had one lady, she emailed me going, you saved mine and my daughter's life. And I was like, whoa, what's that about? And she was listening to my podcast when her car, she was pregnant, her car was hit head on and she went rolling down a hill and it was that point in the podcast I was saying well it's really important to protect your baby by remaining calm by breathing evenly and and I was saying all that on the podcast and that's exactly what she did and then she had to wait 15 minutes with the car upside down while waiting for the ambulance and when they finally turned up they're like oh my goodness you are so calm you are in we don't even have to send you in for checkups because you are in such, you are, it's amazing that you've survived. They, she couldn't believe it. So she credits me completely with saving her life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was just, so I, I don't think I've had an email that kind of pips that one to date, but you know, incredible, just incredible. No kidding. Wow, that's amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> ah, but getting to into the meat of this podcast today that we're going to be talking about dealing with birth fears, a little shout out or a little questioning to my private birthful Facebook group and also the birthful Facebook page about what fears they had during birth or are having now while pregnant. And 
I was figuring we could take a, you know, they, it was broad categories that came, that kept repeating. So I figured we could take a look at those and, and talk about how to navigate them. What do you think? Sure. Sounds good. Beautiful. So some of the things that came up, um, you know, there's the fear of something happening to baby or mom, something going wrong. And in particular, in the group, there's a labor nurse. So she had very specific fears, like fear of shoulder dystocia or a placental abruption or uterine abruption or cord prolapse, like because she knows the actual things that can go wrong. But a lot of moms just had general fears of that, of something going wrong happening to them and to baby. Um and then there was the more extreme fear of death, either for mom and baby. And I think those two can be a little split because, uh, yeah, I would think they are treated differently. But tell me what you think about all of that. Well, for me, I mean, a fear is just our imagination going wild, basically. We're imagining a future outcome and we're imagining a worse possible outcome so you know we're when we think about when we think about what fears are actually it's us just imagining something that might happen in the future when you sort of drill down to what a, a fear actually is like the real meaning of fear is when you are literally in that very moment in a life or death situation and you have a fear whereas if it's not really in that very moment then it's more about anxiety and so you're imagining a possible future thing happening to you so i think it's just worth pointing that out when we think about fears but you you said you know we're splitting the the fear between the the complications and and death and actually for me i think they're sort of they're sort of wrapped up really good and maybe just maybe that death is just an extreme form of complication which sounds a bit weird saying it like that but actually you know we worry about things being complicated or complicating during labor and but actually what's the what's and and then what what does that mean if it's complicated what does that mean if those things do pan out and so you know maybe the the, the deeper fear the one that's underpinning all of that is a fear of death and I come across a fear of death a lot with pregnant women and most specifically with women who've got tocophobia which is the extreme fear of birth and pregnancy which affects a lot of women and 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 that is something that a lot of women don't always talk about and they feel a bit weird sometimes saying it they think well this sounds a bit odd me coming out saying I've got a fear of death but it's actually it's actually really common yeah and 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 it does make sense because it is a situation that is very that that does have a lot of risk and there is that possibility. I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to go and drive in a car and you're fearing that you might die, which you could, but it's not the same inherent um, situation that kind of brings with the history of birth and history of, of, of there's a lot of stories about dying in childbirth, right? And now that mm. medicine has gotten better, we hear that less, but it's like a, there is a high risk um, within birth. I mean, yes, there is a high risk, and and yes, birth can be a fatal thing, and I, I and and that's just that's the reality of the situation. And there's a lot that has been done recently to sort of combat that. But going into birth, having that fear is not going to help your birthing body. So the work that I do is very much focused around really trying to take the fear out of your body because it doesn't help you to imagine these possible future outcomes as you're going into labour. Because as you know, Adriana, the, the fear has a direct impact physiologically on the birthing body. So even though those those possible future outcomes do exist, there is also a possible future outcome that you might have an amazing pleasurable euphoric birth but 
And, and so why not think about imagining those possible outcomes? Because they are also a possibility as well as the death possibility or the complicated possibility or, or the negative bits. So it's really up to us to choose what we want to focus on as we're going into our labour. But on an emotional level, I think it's really important just to clear that fear out of your system because that fear is going to mess up with your hormones, which is going to therefore increase the chances of some of those fears coming true. Whereas if you can come into birth with a, you know, fearlessly in that emotional sense, then you're reducing the chances of any of those things happening eventually to you. Mm, absolutely. And I, I want to clarify, I said high risk and I meant high stakes because the actual risk of something happening is very low. Um, mm. th yeah. And, and I am of the pronoid, not paranoid school of thought <laughs> <laughs> of instead of thinking the worst, trying to think the best, you know, when you have a point, you know, whatever, 1%, the 99% is not having is avoiding that situation. So focus on that 99% rather on the one, um, which goes back to what you were saying. But yeah, I wanted to clarify that I meant high stakes, not high risk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so you made a really great point at the beginning of, of and I want to make sure we stress this, of the perceived fear mm. um, as opposed to the actual situation and how all you can imagine during pregnancy is um it it's uncertain it's not really happening so that ties in also to other fears and phobias that moms brought up like fears of inter interventions of having a cesarean of being induced of having an episiotomy i think that falls also in that category of may or may not happen but you are sort of projecting it mm. And I think the thing too, the one thing that I um, come across with the work that I do is that there's two broad categories of fears that I come across. And I'm sure you see this as well, Adriana, is that the fear of the unknown, which you've just touched on is, is that, you know, for a new mama, first time mama, she's this is totally new to her. So there's so much that awaits her and she has no idea what's coming. So a lot of her fear just comes from not knowing of what what lies ahead. And then But a lot of that, you can kind of uh, wash away those fears with just educating yourself on birth, learning about the birthing body, learning about the birthing process, how the hormones support you. A lot of those things can education can really support you in reducing your level of fear. And let's say you've done that. You've done a, you've read a load of books. You've listened to some wonderful podcasts. You've watched some home births on, on YouTube or whatever it is. And you still have fear. You still can't get rid of that, that fear in the pit of your stomach. That's a very visceral fear. That's a very physical fear that you feel. Then for me, if you've still got fear after the education piece, you've got deep rooted fears that are a little bit more difficult to pinpoint that need a little bit of a different approach to work through and to clear out of your system. But for me, I like to think about the fear clearance work that I do in those two forms, because that really helps women to understand how to start approaching Um, their birth and clearing their fears. So they're taking the right kind of strategy to to kind of reduce the fear as much as possible going into birth. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes absolute sense. And I want to talk about how, you know, how to clear and, and work with those, um, dealing with those deep-rooted rooted visceral fears that are not just going to go away with m more information, right, of clarifying the, the unknown. Um But I also wanted to talk about the, in, in this case, that you have the added, because sometimes you can go through life and you've got these vis visceral feel, fears and you don't really have to, you know, if you face them or not face them, well, you know, you just, it's not a big deal, life changer, right? Mm. But as you were saying before, 
these fears coming up during childbirth and having that sort of visceral reaction will produce adrenaline, will diminish your oxytocin, and will affect the flow of birth. So it goes back to how important it is. It is really necessary for you guys to like look into these fears and clear them. Um, I like to think of pregnancy as early, 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 early labor. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that anything you do right now can, you know, there's things you can do right now to make the end part, the actual birth part, flow better and be, you know, smoother and easier. And I think this falls into that category for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, fear clearance is a huge part. I mean, all the work that I do with women is totally around the whole fear clearance piece because for me, I was tocophobic when I was pregnant and I was determined when I in my, you know, when I first found out that I was going to have a C-section, there was no way that I could get through that birth. There was no way I could cope with it. There was no way on earth I was going to go through that because pain was one of my big fears. And I thought, well, if I have a C-section, then I don't have to go through the pain of birth. Now, there's a whole load of, there's a boatload of stuff in there that is loads of assumptions, loads of myths that we get fed fed from the media but that was where I was coming to when I was not educated and I didn't know about birth and so um I was really I I you know I started my journey in that position and for me I ended up clearing my fears I was training in the therapy at the time and I ended up using that to clear my own fears and managed to turn my tocophobia around or clear it completely in the space of eight weeks so that by the time I reached month seven I went you know what I'm gonna have a home birth because I felt confident and able and um, yeah, able to have the home birth. And I, that's what I had. I had a pain-free home birth that was amazing. And for me, it was all down to fear because I learned in my first trimester, somebody put me on the hypnobirthing. And I was like, because they said, hey, you know what? You can have a pain-free birth without drugs. And I was like, I'd never heard of that. I thought, this woman's crazy. What do you mean a pain-free birth without drugs? This is ridiculous. And so I did a little bit of digging. And that's when I learned the link between fear and pain. And so in my head, I, I had this bit of an epiphany moment where I was like, hey, well, if it's fear that creates pain in birth, well, if I get rid of my fears, then it won't be painful. So if I do that, then I don't have to have the C-section. So that was my line of thought, which I sort of went with, and I just ran with that, basically. And I used this new therapy that I just trained in to clear my fears. And and I proved it to myself that I could do it. But I kept all that to myself after my first trimester, uh, first pregnancy, because I thought, well, that's a bit fluke. Surely this is, I was just lucky. But when I managed to sort of rinse, repeat for my second birth and, and improve it even better for my first experience, I was like, no, this stuff really, really works. And so for me, I'm persua- absolutely persuaded that if you focus on clearing the fears, like really clearing the fears at a very, very deep level, so they no longer are in your body, that's the stuff. It's not in your mind. You want them to clear them from your body. Because if you, like I'm working with somebody at the moment and she did a lot of hypnobirthing for her first birth. But she said she still had fears, but she couldn't look at them. She kept sort of skirting them, reading herself positive affirmations and really going down, listening to her hypnobirthing tracks and all that kind of stuff. But whenever she thought of birth, she still crossed her legs and she couldn't explain it. I was like, there you go. Can you imagine if you're wanting to cross your legs in labor, what impact that is going to have on your birth? And she ended up having a very, very difficult and traumatic birth. And it's like, well, that's because the fear was in your body. And you can listen to a lot of this positive stuff. You can listen to some of these um, hypnobirthing tracks. But if they're not working at that very, very deep level, you're not really going to clear those deep rooted fears. That works for maybe the more superficial fears. But if you want that deep rooted stuff, you either need the one to one work with a professional or you need to take a very different approach that clears them at that deep level. And fortunately, I was in a position where I I was learning a technique that did that and I was able to clear my fears in that way and that's what I help other women to do now to sort of really banish that completely from their body so they can 
they can totally let go and surrender to that birthing process and allow the hormones to do their thing, to give them the best pain relief in the world, to give them the euphoria and all that stuff and to have a labor that doesn't drag on for hours, you know? Mm. Yeah. And who doesn't want that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to do the work. I, I was prepared to do the work to have that because I did not want those horrible outcomes that I kept reading about, you know. And it's so much easier to do the work ahead of time. And plus yeah. the benefits that it brings to you, not just for birth, but also in your daily life and your, and your you know, tools to deal with all sorts of other fears and anxieties. And like there's more benefits to this than just specific Absolutely. to birth, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So... You know, some of the things that I think I, I, I often tell my doula clients in terms of clearing fears and working through these these things, um, there are lots of options. And like I there's more of a mind clearing than physical clearing would be, I, I think, something like journaling or, you know, meditating on the thoughts Um working on hypnobirthing but I think what you're talking about is even deeper and more specific can you tell us like what options moms have in terms of fear clearing so um for me um I was fortunate when I was training in as a therapist I was being sort of present or I've come across some very new sort of energy therapies that were sort of working quite deeply and quickly in, in ways that a lot of other therapies weren't working. So this is what I ended up using on myself and tweak, like tweaking it a bit. So, and, and there's, there's quite a, a lot of these new energy therapies coming through that I think are very, very good to use at this deep level. And it can be really specific with. So the one that I've used is, and I've adapted for birth is one that is called reflective repatterning, which is from the field of energy psychology. Then there's also the tapas acupressure technique, which I use to clear my, the trauma of my own birth experience, which I don't have a memory of at a conscious level but my body would have retained a memory of that at a cellular level and within my emotional system what was so, that one called again the tapas acupressure technique ah. um, that was created by a lady called tapas fleming who was trained in traditional chinese medicine and so that's really great for trauma clearance work very very simple to use you know reflective repatterning again um i train uh, therapists in this now and i've sort of um, adapted it for birth so i i this is what i share with my mothers in my fearless birthing academy online program to help them to really tackle specific fears so that they can literally, what I get them to do is I just say, hey, write out your fears, just write them in a big list. So they've got fear of C-section, fear of complications, fear of losing control, fear of needles, um, fear of death, whatever their fears are, literally just write them out like a to-do list. I call it my head trash clearance to-do list. And then you just literally work through each one, one by one and clear them. And it might take you using this process <clears throat> excuse me, this process that I've um, come up with this little five step head, um, head trash clearance method, which is great for clearing fears. And they just sort of clear them one by one. And it might take anything from five to 20 minutes to clear a fear. And then they're able to just clear their fears as they come up during their pregnancy. And also there's a speedy version to use during labor, which I used during my first labor, which was an absolute godsend as the midwife was threatened my little baby was crowning and had come out poked her head out three times and wasn't coming out and the midwife said well if she doesn't come out in the next one the ambulance were going to take you in and I was like there's no way I'm going into hospital and I realized at that moment I had a fear of the pain of the ring of fire so I just went inside and in between contractions and cleared that fear in that moment and out she came after I cleared that fear, because obviously on some level I didn't want to push I didn't want to let go because I was worried about that fear of the pain and I think just want to sort of bypass quickly and talk about, you know, we often fear things we don't like 
or things that we hate. And so sometimes it can really help. This is why I think education is really important to find out more about the thing, to understand it better. But if you can make peace with the thing that you fear, you're less likely to fear it. So one thing I do a lot with my mamas that I work with is like a lot of them have got a fear of C-sections or interventions, which is completely understandable. But if they can come around to understand the value of a C-section, how helpful a C-section can be in certain situations and not fear them, not kind of hate them, as much then if their birth happens to go a different way to the one that the direction they want it to go and they end up having to have a c-section they coming to it with an appreciation of c-sections and they're less resistant of them and therefore they can retain their they can stay empowered in that process and not feel stressy and frightened and feel more like they're still owning their birth even though it's going away they don't want and so for me i really encourage women to make peace with their worst birth option because maybe that's going to be the way it goes to them and they they'll be much better placed to respond flexibly emotionally on the day which means they're more likely to retain emotional control which at the end of the day when we think about what a positive birth experience is or what you know when we think about the nature of birth it's how you feel about your birth it's not what actually happened it's how you feel about what happened and so you can if you can make sure that you're staying in a positive place about what is happening and you're still feeling in control you can still come out of your birth with a positive experience even if it wasn't that dream home water birth that you wanted you can still feel great about it does that make sense oh absolutely and i think there's a lot of there that you just mentioned that to be unpacked um because i find that that yes like we want to be able to stay in control during birth because we love controlling all our lives and we can love control like who doesn't love being in control of what's happening and this is a situation that has so much uncertainty and and just you can't plan for it you can't you can prepare but it'll do its own thing right so definitely how you approach it matters but let's talk about and and you had you glimpsed a little bit of this with your own birth of what you did when things um got a little scary and hairy during the birth, because up to now we've been talking about the preparation, I find that during birth, no matter, but like the interest, just what birth is, what it's happening in terms of to your body and having, you know, giving birth, it is a monumental, intensive, you know, experience. So it's often that moms feel they get to a point that where they hit a wall where, you know, normally called transition, but where you say, I can't do this. I, this is really like feeling a little overwhelmed, feeling like it's too much, feeling out of control. And I also want to normalize that because I find that a lot of people that do hypnobirth things or do calming or do these techniques might sometimes feel like they did, didn't, didn't do it right or they were a failure mm. because they didn't stay under control the whole time. And, you know, birth is wild. <laughs> it's, yeah. It really can be. So what are some ideas of what to do when, you know, if you're in the middle of the birth and you feel out of control or you feel like you're starting to get panicky or fearful? Well, the whole control thing is really interesting for me. And I think that I, I spend a lot of time with the women I work with focusing on that aspect, because a lot of women, like you say, like to be in control. But control is just an illusion. We're not in control of anything. We think we might be in control, but we're just not. And so, the, you know, and so a lot of women uh, that, that may be a control freaks, and I think a lot of women might identify with the term control freak. But when it comes to birth, you are absolutely not in control. So it's best to just let go of that 
pretty much straight away because birth is a natural process. It's like it's like wanting to have control of the tide and the beach when it comes on, you know, the, the sea coming into the sand. You haven't. You've just got to ride the waves. That's what you've got to do. And you've got to be okay with riding the waves. If you try and stand super still in the in the waves as they come crashing in, you're just going to struggle and you're going to be upset and frustrated that you're failing to keep still. Whereas if you just sway and go with it and let go and go with the flow in that sense, then that is going to be a lot more conducive to labor so for me what I try and encourage my the women I work with is to surrender control of your body allow surrender control to the birthing process the only piece you need to retain control of is your mind in the sense of being aware enough of what's going on so that if you pick up anything within your body with your baby you know if you're tuned in when you're birthing and you can sense this you can feel the sensations you can tune into what's happening to your baby that's a bit of control you just need to have a, a, a connection to so that if anything's going on that you need to say hey to the midwife something doesn't feel right here da, 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 you know you need to flag it to somebody that's the bit that's the only bit of control that i think you need to maintain everything else you just need to let it go wild you need like you said it's wild and yeah let go the best thing i think you can do is let go in birth and it's it's women that try not to let go that that hold on to control are the ones that are resisting and, and creating problems for themselves because I think you need to just let go in birth. And, and one thing I encourage uh, women to do is go and get a flotation tank session when you're pregnant to see how good you are at letting go. Because if you can't come out of a flotation tank session without having a bad neck, which is a sign of you not really letting go in your body, then you know that you've got a little bit of work to do to prepare for your birth. Because letting go, I think, is one of the most important things you can do for birth. Mm, I love that idea of the flotation tank. It's fantastic. And it also, no, absolutely, because it also helps if it, if a mom is really stressed out, that can also um, clue her in into the state of her nervous system. Because mm. you can be so wired day to day that it is impossible for you to relax and let go. And, you know, flotation yeah. tank or actually meditate or whatever it is that lets you reset your nervous system, if you can't just go with that experience and get your nervous system to zero then mm. that's going to be affecting you you know during birth and everything yeah yeah completely and what i love about the flotation tank thing is a it's brilliant for mamas anyway to do when they're pregnant but you genuinely have to it's a physical thing so meditation you can kind of persuade yourself that you're relaxing but you're just sitting there closing your eyes doing your meditating whereas in a flotation tank you actually have to just let go and and rest on the water and trust you have to trust you have to trust your body that your body will float now it will but it won't if you don't trust it and so it's a really great way to test yourself before you're actually in the throes of labor whether or not you've got this thing nailed and if you haven't you know you've got more work to do so i encourage you know i encourage pregnant women to just go and get a flotation tank session yeah. And I have a personal flotation tank experience. The first time I ever did it, I was not able to relax at all. Like the whole time my mind wouldn't shut down. That's how stressed <laughs> yeah. I was. It was a different time in my life. But um, the whole time I was in it, I was like, okay, when's this going to be over? When's this going to be over? When's this going to be over? Like I was getting more and more tense. Which is crazy. It does, like, some people do freak out in it, but it's a really great way to I think it's a great way to practice um, mind control or or being able to shut out thoughts, because actually in birth, what you want to do is not have all that mental chatter going on. You don't want you want to be able to be completely zoned out and allow your body to take, take over. You know, you want the part of the brain that's the modern part of the brain. That's all this thinking, rationalizing, fearing, emotional stuff. You just want that to shut down completely. You just want the primal part of the brain to take over so that your body can do what we've been doing for millennia you just want that bit to take over and so again going back to the 
flotation type thing. It's a really great place to kind of practice getting into that state because that's a state that is really going to improve your chances of having a positive birth. Absolutely. I always say you birth with your body, not with your mind. And yep. the trick is yep. getting out of the mind out of the way of your Absolutely. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're totally. going to take a quick break and we'll be right back talking a little bit more about these other things that you feel you're in control of. We'll be right back. So, my husband's been giggling at me a bit lately because he gets a kick out of seeing how much I like our Reverie power bed. Here's the thing though, I still sort of forget that we have it, and when I get into bed and remember I can incline the back to be super comfortable while I read, or get a wave massage before falling asleep, I can't help but busting out a great big smile. And then he giggles. Last night he was giggling at how I was really enjoying putting up the lower part of the bed to give my aching feet some love by elevating them. My feet are not swollen, but even so, it felt really good. And I can totally imagine how it would be extra special if my feet were swollen after a long day. With prices starting at $7.99 for a queen size and financing options that can bring it down to as little as $20 per month, you could be smiling from ear to ear as well, while getting more rest and better sleep. In fact, I bet that $20 per month is less than what you're already spending on coffee or tea or something to keep you awake. And if you were sleeping better, you'd probably need a lot less of that drink. So in that case, this power bed could practically pay for itself. Go to momsneedsleep.com slash birthful to learn more and see how wonderfully this would fit into your life. And don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who got you there momsneedsleep.com slash birthful and we're back we're talking about what to do with birth fears and with Alexia Leachman and so one of the things that came up also with the you know that moms wrote in for me of what their fears was is a different type of controlling like they were afraid of not being able to you know control the hospital setting or not being heard not having choices fear of not being able to stand up for themselves um especially if they knew there were people pleasers having that internal battle of not being able to birth as they wanted to or being treated because they were a plus size mama or some sort of prejudice of racism language barriers whatever it was right that have you know you need to let your body go let go of your mind so that your body can do the birthing but if you're not feeling safe in the space then that's going to be harder to do so what about those fears of the environment so fears of the environment i think you know if you've got a lot of fears around the medical environment then rethink your choice to have a medical environment birth because that a lot of your fears will just fall away if you decide to go with the home birth so you know really think about where you're you know for me i'd recommend women to choose to birth somewhere where they feel safe and relaxed and if that isn't in a hospital environment then why are you going into that environment to birth so that would be my first thing but also for me birth is very much a microcosm for life as i'm sure you know you've heard this you, you probably think this as well and so when we think about how we are triggered in day-to-day -day life what are the kind of things that get us stressed anxious that sap our confidence in day-to-day -day life because those things are very likely to show up during birth so if you're a people pleaser generally in day-to-day -day life then that is sure as hell going to show up in the birth space and therefore you need to probably tackle that whether you're pregnant or not because you can only benefit from addressing those kind of things in your life anyway so for me when I'm working with women it's like yeah well let's look at those birth fears but let's look at those life things that might happen to you in the birth environment 
that, that are likely to trigger a fear response or a stress response. So, for example, if somebody doesn't like um, people who are disrespectful or rude, and let's say, you know, because of maybe the racial thing you've mentioned or um, being overweight or some of those things that the prejudices that people have that they might come across people treating them with lack of respect or being rude, then it can be useful to kind of work on those those emotional triggers in advance of birth so that if somebody does waltz in your birth space and speak to you rudely that you're not triggered so that you can kind of bat that away really easily without getting yourself into a tiz because that will help you to protect your birthing bubble so for me i i think about well what are those environmental factors that might happen that could take you outside of your birth bubble and why might they and that's usually down to your own emotional triggers that exists whether you're pregnant or not so it then becomes very much a personal development piece you know that that's for, for me when i think preparing for birth isn't just addressing the birth aspect but it is about preparing yourself for motherhood as well because those emotional triggers that somebody in the birth space might come in and push your buttons with if, the, if you don't deal with that button now, then it's only going to be your baby that pushes it when they're kids and toddlers and everything. So you might as well start dealing with this stuff sooner rather than later. So when you talk about, you know, pregnancy being the beginning of the birth, it's just very, very, I, I totally agree with that. You know, the minute you're pregnant, it's it's really a, an excuse to start really looking in the mirror and addressing some of those things so that whatever environment you're in, you are less likely to be triggered because it actually you just feel more confident and grounded in yourself. And and this just becomes other people's dramas that you don't get sucked into. Does that make sense? Mm, sure, absolutely. And I also think it's an opportunity f- in terms of preparation and knowing like, because you may not have the choice of doing a home birth. You might, even though that's your preference, you might just have to do a hospital birth, just how the system's set up or insurance or whatever it is. So... I think the opportunity there is to, you know, look at the choices you have within that system and go with the one that mostly resembles what you want of, you know, making sure that you have no red flags from your provider. And if you do change providers, right, Um, but also of what you can do to set up sort of barriers around you, protective barriers in your through your birth team to deflect those situations Mm. and have them you know be definitely protect your space so that then you're not being worried you're not worrying about you know what this person is going to say and then you can just go tune into what's happening in your body Mm. I think having a great birth team for those people that maybe do feel less sure of themselves is absolutely the right way to go. And having somebody like a doula or or even just your husband there who is very who who understands absolutely what your desires and wishes are and understands and you know that you can kind of hand over the reins. You know, some guys are really good at that, some less, 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 less great at that. So it's having somebody that you trust that can stand up for your your voice so that you can stay in your bubble. So I think having a birth team there, but I also think there's room to think about, you know, doing what you can on a personal level so that you, if you are able to stand up for yourself, if you need to, because they're not always going to be that, you know, when you're going for your midwife appointments in the lead up, or you may be facing pressure for an an early induction or whatever it is, because of they're they're scaring you with some, some scary stories about why you need to be induced because big baby or whatever it is. So that you're able to stand up yourself in those moments as well, because it's not just in the birth space, it's in the lead up, you know, I was an older mum for my second birth. And I was getting all sorts of awful fearful language thrown at me 
um, in the last few weeks of my pregnancy. And it was only because I'd had done that work, I was able to confidently maintain my ground, like my, my position and bat that stuff away. Whereas I know that other women would just have gone for those inductions because they felt that they were being, you know, they weren't able to sort of, they were in that people pleasing mode at that point, And they're on their own at those appointments. So, you know, you can't always have those people there. And, and it's, Unfortunately, you know, you're in a nine month process where you might face this kind of stuff a lot. So there's always worth in doing some of this personal work, I think. Yeah. And then there, but you brought up a great point. What about those that pressuring you through fear that can happen towards the end of even though the evidence says this and even though, you know, everything's going fine and right with your body and everything looks great with baby, you're being recommended that you do an induction and they play sort of like you're going to harm your baby that you play that card yeah. and yeah. what do you do with that then well that's exactly what i had so i was an older mum and i was at 39 weeks they said we want to induce you because uh, and this is what they said in the meeting to me on my own they said well the last thing we want for you is to deliver a stillborn so that would be traumatic for everyone involved and it's like i can't believe you just used that language right in front of my face <laughs> but she did and and then i was then i because i was armed with facts i'd done my research because i was told earlier on in my pregnancy that i was going to be consultant led so i was prepared so i did a load of research on what the risk levels were for an older mother, whether or not there were any risks. I basically had to read a load of evidence papers, a load of white papers, a load of all that kind of stuff that I'm not trained to read and that isn't written in the best way for um, to be understood very clearly by non-professional researchers, you know. But I, I, I made the effort so that I was confident that I knew when she was telling me some of these risks that I was facing that I was able to interpret them and I actually knew what she was talking about and I could pinpoint the the, the year of the research that she was picking it from and say well you know what that was research from 1954 and that's been widely dismissed now because hospital environments have changed so much and she you know as I was able to say that she sort of went oh I've not dealt with anybody like you before and I was like what somebody who's done her homework you know normally they basically railroad you in because they know that mothers aren't doing their homework they know that they're relying on them to guide them through this process and actually you need to do your homework you need to learn about the birth process you need to read about the risks that you're facing when I was told that I was facing a ri my risk had doubled of stillborn rate what she actually meant and what she could have said to me was your risk has gone from 0.001 to 0.002 well when you say it like that it doesn't sound so bad but when you say doubled it sounds really scary and so it's really worth doing your homework because then you can unpick those scary messages that you're getting and and and, and therefore dismiss them and bat them away with confidence you know Whereas sometimes you think, well, they know what they're talking about and I don't. Well, how? Do, why don't you just change the balance there and start knowing what you're talking about instead? Do the homework so that you can bat that kind of stuff away. Yeah. And, and you may not know all the research and all the information, but in that situation, you can also call them on it. Like say, OK, I can't believe you just used that language. And can yeah. you actually <laughs> show me the research and actually give me the statistic? And yeah. give me the numbers. So then you get that you know that it's doubling from 0 0.001 to 1.002. And, and that's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different information on which to base your choices. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't, they're not very forthcoming. At least that was my experience. They weren't very forthcoming. When I said to her, well, that's very interesting what you're sharing with me. And I'd love to see the evidence and the research that you're getting that from. Have you got that? You can share that with me. And she's like, um, well, it's on the da -da 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 website. So, well, I've got it here on my on my iPad. So should we just try and find it here together? 
And she was getting very shirty at that point because she knew I'd called her up and she had nowhere to go and she couldn't find it because I'd already looked for this kind of stuff already. And she was just making stuff up, basically. And they will do that. So, you know, you do have to be really well armed because some some of them healthcare providers are not on your side. They literally just want to make sure that they don't have any kind of problems on their watch and they just want to push people through a system. Mm-hmm. They're not there to look out to make sure that you come out of your birth with a positive birth experience for you and your baby. Uh, they just want to make sure that you're both alive. That doesn't mean that you're both alive means that that was a great experience for both of you, you know. And I think it's up to us as mothers, expectant mothers, to do the work, to do everything that we can to protect that positive birth experience. And if that means doing all your homework, then so be it. Because you know what? Parenting is just a continuation of that anyway. You know, when you go on to vaccinations and all that other stuff that you're going to be faced with, the homework will continue. So it's just going to, you know, start now. Yeah. And I don't want to throw all care providers under the bus because there are some that are no. wonderfully supportive. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. No, no, no. But and, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they, they can be fantastic supporters of, of your choices and, and really hear you out and give you the information. So then that goes right back to, you know, who is it you, that you're choosing for your care? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um. So what about like, so other, uh, switching it a little bit, you Another set of fears that came up is for moms that have had a birth already, a birth experience. And so they are afraid of, you know, whatever happened during that first experience happening again or fearing the intensity because, you know, maybe the birth was really intense for them the first time around and they know they have to do it again and they know what to expect and are hesitant of, you know, embracing that. Or some moms, one mom that wrote to me, she experienced loss in her birth, in her first pregnancy. So, and during her first birth. So that makes it all this new process very scary because, you know, of what happened last time was horrible. Mm. So what about for that, for moms who had a traumatic experience and are pregnant again, going into it, what are your thoughts for them? I think this is where doing some trauma clearance work, seeking the help of somebody that can help you to kind of really work through those experiences, get rid of the emotional pain out of your system, the, uh, um, the you know, just to work through those traumas so they're no longer feeding the fear. Because what you can do with a lot of this, uh, with a lot of this kind of work is a lot of fears are fed by traumas. And so if you can kind of really sort of cut the emotional ties to that event that is creating the trauma, then you're taking away a lot of the firepower of the fear, if that makes sense. So there's two pieces there. There's really working on reducing the, the emotional impact of those those events in the first place and clearing the trauma. And then there's working on any fears that, res- that are still there once you've done that piece of trauma clearance work. And so often what I find with the work that I do is once you've worked on clearing the trauma, that those fears of reducing reduced significantly uh, because women are intelligent as well they know that every birth is different that every pregnancy is different and that just because you had something one way doesn't mean the whole thing's going to be exactly repeated again the second time so and and so those fears are still at emotional level and they were fed by that that experience so you know we are intelligent beings we are able to um sort of get over that in terms of not allow that to sap us but it does require effort it does require seeking support and it does require um 
using some things that are really going to help you in a very sort of meaningful, powerful way. So I think that that would be the, my advice is really what, take that in it as a two pronged approach, doing the trauma work and then doing the fear clearance work. And and then also, you know, there's women that I've worked with that have had those difficult experiences, but maybe they, they didn't do the prep work that they know that they could have done. Maybe they did. So you've got, there's a whole sort of, um, there's a lot of women that have done the hypnobirthing route that feel like they failed at hypnobirthing because it didn't kind they still came out with the very difficult experiences and they're feeling a little bit lost because they feel they were let down and maybe they've internalized that as them having failed it and that that's all very very wrong you know they haven't failed at anything but maybe they just need to learn some ways to help them manage the intensity to slow things down to really manage the fear as it's coming up in in birth so maybe there's an opportunity there to just skill up to learn some new ways of handling stuff to maybe try something new try a different approach because yes we've got we can there's no guarantees with birth you can't guarantee you're gonna have a certain outcome but i think being armed with lots of tools and techniques that you can use on the day will really sort of boost your confidence on the day you know if you can do as much of that prep work in advance on the emotional side on the mental side but also those techniques and tools that you can use on the day that you can resort to really quickly to help you manage things like the intensity or any pain that might come up on the day then you know if you take all that together that can really help you to feel a lot more confident about your next birth yeah yeah, and I think it is it's hugely important to point out, you know, as you were saying, that even if you've done all the work and clearing and all this process through pregnancy, that things might still come up during the birth itself. And to know that, you know, that might be something expected and, and figure out how you're going to, you know, deal with that when it comes up. I see mm. it um, happen it's, it's uh, one thing that comes to mind is, for example, moms who have had a cesarean before and say they got to six centimeters or five centimeters. Um, and that's kind of where things went pear shaped that in the next birth, when they get like that milestone becomes sort of important and looming. And mm. and it's not unusual for when that shows up you know they get to five they get to six again for things to maybe stall a little bit or mm. you know you see that there's some resistance mm. some sort of a reminder body or mind that's coming up um and i find that it it's helpful to just acknowledge that or be aware that that might happen and figure out what what to do or what to have people say to you or you know what you want to happen if that situation arises Mm. And I think the other thing to bear in mind here is it's not just, you know, birth isn't just about you. You know, we think, oh, well, I did this and it's, you know, going thinking it's all about us. Actually, there's two of you involved here. There's baby too. And baby's got their own journey into the world. They've got their own life path, their own soul path, their own destiny, whatever it is. And so it's to recognize that there's two of you. There's a dance of two people going on here. And yes, you can do everything you you, you can to prepare. But if your baby wants a C-section and that's how they want to be birthed, then, you know, if they're not playing ball in birth and they're not going down that birth canal, they've got their shoulder stuck, then, you know, this, that's their destiny. That's that's the reality that that maybe that's what they needed to experience for them. And so it's recognizing that that you're just one of two people involved in this process and 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 therefore not to beat yourself up about it because there is somebody else that's playing a role here. And and that needs to be acknowledged, too, I feel. Mm, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love when moms connect with their body and with their babies during birth, because then they actually can feel baby moving and the mm. things that happen. And I, I you know, it, it, you need to let go and you need to be fully in tune with your body. You need to be in that supportive, safe environment in order to be able to just go into that deep level of connection with your baby. But 
you know, moms will look up suddenly. They're doing their thing and really into it. And they'll look up and go like, baby just moved. Or, ah, I felt the kick. It's help. You know, baby's helping. Like, they can really get, understand, feel that it's the two of them working together. Mm. I encourage my mothers to do a lot of like almost coach their baby while they're pregnant and and to sort of say, hey, right, this is how it's going to go and do a lot of visualization. When I talk about visualization, I'm not talking about those opening flowers and waves on the beach. I'm talking the kind of visualization that sports people do, performance people do, where you're literally imagining how you're going to feel. You imagine how it's going to go. You imagine what you're going to be doing. You imagine your body doing it. You know, you really get into sort of visualizing and experiencing and anticipating and imagining you birthing your baby and telling your baby. You know, I spent a lot of time in the last few weeks of my second birth saying, right, this is going to be smooth. It's going to be safe. It's going to be pleasurable and it's going to be fast. I want it to come in at under three hours because my first birth was six and I heard that second births are half as long. And this was the constant messaging that I gave to my baby. And every day in the lead up to birth, I would check in with baby, check in if they had any fears because the baby was late. So I wanted to understand if there are any emotions from their perspective that were holding them in. Maybe they were fearful of being born and there was a one day. She had a bunch of fears. She was fearful of being born. It happened to be a couple of days after the meeting with the consultant who told her that she might be a stillborn. So it's interesting. You know, they, they can hear, they can feel all that stuff. And so I had to do a lot of work on her, her fear clearance, but I coached her on it. And incredibly, my second birth is everything, <coughs> excuse me, that I wanted it to be. <coughs> and she came out at two hours, uh, 58 minutes. And I was like, and she shot out still in the sack. And I'm sure that at some point she went, oh, my goodness, I'm late. I've got to be out. Like we said, it's going to be three hours and she just flew out. So I think there's a lot of value in letting your baby know that you've got this, that you're confident, that you can do it, that they, you trust them to do it. You trust them to know what to do to birth themselves, that you are supporting them, that you're listening out for them, that you're protecting them. And that they know that you've got this because, you know, if you there's a lot of um, some really great books around, you know, there's a really great book called Babies Remember Birth, which is worth checking out. And a lot of people through regression hypnosis talk about how they remember their birth experiences. And one thing that babies do remember is a feeling that they're, they, of lack of confidence in the mother and the mother not feeling like she can do it or not feeling like the baby will come out. And babies pick up on that stuff. So I think it's really important to focus your energy and your emotional energy on, on telling your baby, you know, we can do this. We're in it together and we're going to work together as a team. Me, my body, you and all this, you know, and, and and that, I think, can really help. And I, I talk about this on my podcast and I get some mamas that are coming back to me saying, hey, I did that. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I've got no evidence to back it up, but I would just encourage you because it really helps you to connect with your baby as well, which can only be a good thing, right? Yeah. And it, I think it sets a lovely way of starting the, the relationship with your baby because they do. I mean, I was talking to Carrie Compte recently about understanding and connecting with your baby and what they're saying. And, you know, we we're talking about how in neuroscience, you, you have babies can sense the how you're feeling. If you're stressed, they'll pick up on that. And one of the things they need for in order to survive is to feel safe or else they go in a flight or flight mode like we do um, and get, you know, more worked up and, and stressed and anxious. So if you want to calm and, and, and soothe baby that it's like, OK, I'm safe. Mom's got this or dad's got this. My parents have got this. Um, that it's important for you to first calm yourself and be yeah. in that place of 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 communicating that to them right through mm, your body yeah. language to your demeanor through your breathing through everything they can pick up on all these things so it would make sense that they pick up on a lot of it also in utero and that 
they they can react to that if if it's like this is not safe they can they can get worked up i'm sure you know the amniocentrists i can't know if i'm saying that right when when you you inject into the the amniotic sac to check oh on the yeah fluid. the amnio for yeah. amniocentesis yes that's the one yeah well there's there's evidence showing that babies have been shown to bat away the needle when it comes in to the sac because they're scared and they there's only one reason you're going to be batting away something that's coming your way so there is quite a lot of evidence and research to show that babies do feel a lot of this stuff and they are actively trying to avoid and this is from very early on in the pregnancy. So there's there's quite a lot of prenatal psychology around at the moment that shows that the babies are very, very aware and they can hear, you know, they can hear, I don't know what the weeks is, I think maybe from 20 weeks they can start hearing. Mm-hmm. So you know, they remember theme tunes of the, your favourite TV shows. They remember a, a remarkable amount from in utero. So it's really to take that on board and use that in your favour. You know, I ended up having read a lot of this stuff since after my first birth, but for my second pregnancy, I used, I ended up singing a very um, repetitive meditative tune to myself and I wanted to calm myself, which I then used when baby was born to help her calm and get herself to sleep because she recognized it straight away and would go to sleep straight away. And I trained her on that tune while she was in my tummy so I could use it when she was born. And and it really, really helped. So you can really, um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff around this where you can use, you know, learn what babies are aware of and use that in your favor to help you not only prepare for birth, but prepare for having a newborn as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talked to Penny Simkin. I've got, for listeners that want to listen more, um, there's a podcast episode with Penny Simkin on singing to your baby. And specifically, she's done a, quite a bit of research on that. And she talks about creating a song for your baby, specific song just for them and have different songs for your different children and how it's a great tool, um, especially when you're driving around and baby's in the mm. back seat tied up and you can't really reach out and baby's not so happy that the song could be a non-contact soothing mechanism and you experienced this yourself right totally yeah totally and it works it absolutely works and there's no reason why it wouldn't you know there's no reason why it wouldn't it's familiar to them they 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 know it from when they were feeling safe in your tummy so why wouldn't it help them when they're on the outside to feel calm again you know it kind of makes absolute sense so why not tap into that kind of stuff Mm. now We've talked a lot, but we talked about moms, we talked about babies. Let's bring in the partner because I think this is a great opportunity for partners to also start their parenting journey and, and, you know, connect with what the situation and what's happening and even maybe work on clearing their fears as well. Do you do any work with partners? Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I've got, um, you know, because I do have a lot of online programs and I know that the w- women that buy my online stuff are sharing that, that all my resources with their partners and they're doing that fear clearance too. And it's absolutely, you know, the thing is, I think dads get a bit of a bad, they, they don't get a lot of help, you know, they, it's not recognized. All the pregnancy stuff out there is all very much targeted to the women. And so dads do feel a little bit abandoned and, and really feel a bit lost as well because it's such an alien concept to them to be pregnant. They have no aspect, no way to relate. And I, absolutely think that there's a lot of you know for those that do feel fearful to do that work and it's something you can do together as a couple to help not only strengthen your couple bond but also to open up on your own fears and vulnerabilities so that you know that can only strengthen you as a couple but also help you going into the birth because if there's a you know a dad that's going into birth feeling really fearful then then they're not going to be the rock that you need them to be when you're the one that needs to be protected and, and, and soothed and everything, if you've got dad that's very fearful. Because the other thing is, as a pregnant woman, as a birthing woman, you're very 
open energetically, you will pick up on other people's fears in the birth space. So it's really important that you're not the only one doing this fear clearance work, that other people that are going to be present have done that too. Because if they're coming into that birth space with fears, you're going to pick up on that whether you want it or not, because you're going to be so open. Baby's going to pick up on that. And so the last person you want to be coming in with the fear is also your partner. So I think the fear clearance work absolutely has to sort of take in both both parents, really. Yeah, and I think it would be especially helpful if that if if that's going to be your main support person, if the partner is going to be your main support person, that they can actually support and be that create that protective space around you, mm. and not you know if something's if an intervention is being recommended, um, and it might be coming using fearful language that they might not have heard up to now if they didn't go to the prenatals, then and and if they didn't read all the books and did you know if. It, if they didn't do as much preparation as you did, um, or specific to this topic, then as you're saying, they might like not know what to do with it, bring fear into it, and then it's just going to trickle down to you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get a lot of uh, mums uh, contacting me saying they really want the home birth and they they daren't because the dad doesn't want it because he's scared. And so I think in those situations, you know, even when it comes to making your birth choices, even before you get to the birth time is, you know, allowing your partner to really sort of vocalize their fears and work through them so that you're ending up having a birth that's right for you and your baby. Because at the end of the day, if you're being if if your partner's fear is making is stopping you from doing the home birth and making you go into the hospital, then actually that's not what you want. That's not going to be right for the family ultimately, because you're not going to birth, have the most positive experience. So I think it's really worth being open and upfront about fears, you know, even as early as when you're making some of your birth choices. Mm, absolutely. Oh, I this has been so much fun. It's been a fabulous conversation. Um, I want so tell us if listeners want to get in contact with you or know more about what you're doing or check out your classes. How can they do that, Alexia? Well, I've got the Fear Free Childbirth podcast and you can come and find me at fearfreechildbirth.com. So, yeah, that's where I've got, you know, if you're tocophobic, I've got stuff for you. If you are uh, you want to do online programs, I've got fear clearance meditations. I've got private sessions. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, then, you know, that's where you need to come and find me, Fear Free Childbirth. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for this conversation today. Thank you so much, Adriana, for having me. It's been absolutely delightful. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages, and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at birthful, so come say hi. And we also have a Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash birthful. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Reverie Powerbeds. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One, did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.